Coming up, part two of the Sunday Nighter with Rosillo. This has a chance to be the most depressing podcast we've done in a couple of years. What do you think, Rosillo? Let's just get this fucking over with. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Monopoly Go. It's halftime and the scoreboard's not looking good. You're not sure you can pull out a win? That's when you say to yourself, it's time to get back in the game, pull off some bank heists and take as much of my friend's money as I possibly can. That's right. The hit mobile game, Monopoly Go, lets you compete with your friends to be the biggest tycoon ever. I might do this with my high school friends. We used to play Monopoly all the time. It's the Monopoly you love, but on your phone anytime with tons of new twists, including leaderboards to compare your progress, there's so much to do. Play on countless dynamic Monopoly boards. Make your friends bankrupt by smashing their landmarks with a wrecking ball. Charge other players rent for your iconic properties. Maybe you'll even play against me. I'm great at Monopoly. You could even work with your friends to crack open community chests and in tournaments to get extra rewards. Get back out there. Put on your game face. Download Monopoly Go. Now free on the App Store or Google Play. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find part one of the podcast with me and Rosillo from earlier today. We talked about the Celtics Bucks and a couple other things. And then we were super excited to do part two. Mavs Suns game seven. Not as excited anymore, although it will be a fascinating pod. It's all next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, we are taping this. It is 7.18 Pacific time, Sunday night. Priscilla, you just, you take the floor. Ah, well, uh, that wasn't fun for me. Um, You know, it it wasn't a great start. Then they ran that first play for him. He got free, up fake, right elbow, in and out. And I was like, okay. And then they missed every shot. And it was weird because there was a moment there where I was like, it's only 17 point lead. Like that felt good. I was like, it's only like 17. Okay. Maybe. No, there's no maybe. And that's one of the worst losses I've ever seen for a team with expectations. I mean, that's not hyperbole like that. I can't believe they lost and they lost. They were down 40. What was the biggest lead? 41. I thought they were down more than 40. They had 10 points in the second half. Booker Wait, and Paul were, they had 10 points in the second half. Oh, Booker Total. and Paul. No, no, no. The Suns scored 10 points in the second half. <laughs> they had 17 in the first half, and that seemed really low. And then they topped out 10. Booker and Paul were, I think, 0 for 10 in the first half. Look, they're on a list now that you don't want to be on. Yeah. There's a couple lists you don't want to be on. You don't want to be on the 
superstar who never won the title list. Barkley talks about that all the time. I remember he came on my podcast once in like 2011. It was like, I'm on a list. I don't want to be on this list. The list that gets brought up every time the new guy enters. And then they mention all the other guys. The 2022 Suns are on whatever shortlist you have for most shocking, disappointing exits we've had by a really good team in the playoffs. And just if you go since the merger, 22 Suns, I think the 16 Warriors have to be on there, even though they went 73-9, and blowing the 3-1 lead in the finals. 2011 Heat, 07 Mavs, 94 Sonics, 81 Lakers, defending the title by losing a best two out of three of the Rockets. And then the 77 Sixers blowing a 2-0 to the Blazers and just completely falling apart and then almost coming back, but not really. That That's the company they're in. And I think anytime going forward, people mention situations like this, this will be one of the first teams they mention. And that's just how this played out. Yeah, I don't, you know, there's no pushback. Like, I can't do it anymore. I mean, and that's kind of like where I'm going. They're not, I can't believe that Dallas is better than them. But I, I just, what, what was that? I mean, they well, were that, that was The weirdest thing was, yeah, how, how little fight they had how dead the crowd was because I think the crowd sensed it immediately and Dallas was playing really well offensively and had the best guy in the game. And then Phoenix looked like they had never played basketball before. This was the most efficient, best oiled machine we had all season. I thought they were a lock to make the finals unless somebody got hurt. As far as we know, nobody got hurt. They just like ran out of gas. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with the Paul thing because they seem to be hinting at it. I mean, he just didn't look the same, but you know, I can't really sit here and make it an excuse. Booker was ter- I don't know why would Booker be terrible? Well, they were and- dub- they were basically just doubling him and throwing people at him every chance they got just to take him out and hope anyone else could beat them and nobody could beat them. But Booker was also bad. Like you think about like what Tatum did the last 2 weeks. Booker and Tatum were Kind of swimming in the same pool. I know Tatum's a better player, but you know, I voted Booker fourth for MVP. We had to hear all the monologues from all the Suns fans and all the smart basketball people were like, whoa, people are sleeping on how good Devin Booker is. This was like the perfect game for him to show us how good he was. He went the opposite way. Uh <laughs> you know, I've always argued about Paul and I've said he's like the ultimate winner that hasn't won. And when I watch those Pelican series or that Pelican series, and you're like, this guy is absolutely taking these games over. You know what I mean? You felt like he was pacing himself. He's got the yeah. perfect game in there. The beginning of the Dallas series. I mean, this isn't that long ago. All right. The beginning of this series, you're like, this guy, there isn't a list of 10 people that are more important in the NBA. Like he may not be a top 10 player anymore, but when he's right and he's taken over the game, like it's just so obvious and it's so much fun. You and I did these segments. Um, I think I did my own. I think I did one with you. We were like, do people realize how like the profile, how special this profile, this Phoenix team looks like? You know, clutch yeah. game. They had they had it all, man. They had it all. And you're like, wait, what? John Schumann, our friend who works for uh, NBA.com, he said the Suns were the 24th team in the 26 years for which we have PVP data to rank in the top five in both offensive and defensive efficiency. And they were better than that because in any close game, it seems like they could come through. And yet in this game, there's a couple moments like it was, you know, it was like 30 to 22 or not, not, not 30 to 22, like 
You're right, though. I know. The Mavs I know exactly up by like saying, ten. Right. Yeah, and it seemed like they had a chance to break it open. I kept waiting for Chris to be like, "Oh, I'm going to step in earlier than I usually do because this is getting a little out of hand. Let me take control of this." And he just didn't. I and it was like, "Is he hurt? What is he asleep? What's going on?" The whole Suns team seemed asleep. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It's like 31-22 a couple minutes into the second quarter. You're like, okay, yeah. you know, you're gonna, everybody makes the run. They're going to make a run. And then the run never happens. And then you can start asking all sorts of stuff like, well, if Chris is hurt, how do you build your team knowing that like this is a problem, right? It'd be back-to-back years where he couldn't hold up. And that's why I thought the sneaky him breaking his hand was good for him because it gave him a month off. Yeah. And they didn't lose their seed or anything like that, so they'd be fine. And then the Aiton part of it, which is weird, and you know, whatever Booker's Booker's still going to be great, but yeah, it's it's one of those games where you're like, this sticks on you forever. This is written in pen; it's not written in pencil. And you hope it pisses you off if you're the core of Phoenix now, you know, they, going they, forward. It's over. It's this over. Is it. That's it. The window's closed. It's a. It be, here's why. That loss is so bad, you can't come back from it. <laughs> you can't. And they have no move. The only move they have is to trade Aiton, which we'll talk about much later in the podcast. But you, the history of this is like, unless you have a peak guy in his prime, like the 2011 Heat, where they figured it out and they were able to come back from that because they had LeBron James, who was, you know, in year eight or year nine at that point. And they had Wade, they had Bosch, and they were able to figure it out. The the Suns don't have people like that, you know. Booker isn't on the short list. He's a really good player. He's an all-star. He's a franchise guy, but he's not on that short list. And I just feel like, you know, the 81 Lakers, they had won the year before. Total hiccup. Magic was hurt half the year. Best of three. You could talk. All right, well, we got a guy. And then you come back and you win the next year. The problem with Phoenix is the league is going to be really, really good next year. You could say there's 10 teams that have a chance to make the finals next year. If you're adding Denver and you're adding the Clippers and Brooklyn, assuming they're going to be some version of a good Brooklyn team on top of all the good teams we've had this year. And Phoenix is going to be one of the 10. They're not going to be, I don't know, in the West is going to be way better. And I just feel like their window was last year and this year. And we were saying that during the season. You know, they came really close to winning the title last year. And then this year, the West was set up for them. Neither we talked in part one. Neither of us even really liked this Golden State team that much. It's 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 just a brutal loss. That thirty one twenty two you mentioned. So, Tory Craig scores. It's twenty nine twenty two. Nine thirty six left in the second quarter, and at this point, I was thinking, oh, they're fine. They yeah. here they they're going to get back into this. They're home. Here we go. Uh, Brunson hit one. Torrey Craig gets blocked. Dean Whitty hits a three. 34-22. Suns timeout. Booker comes in the game. Um, turnover. Dallas misses a three. Phoenix misses a three. Dallas misses a two. Dallas misses another two. It's 34-22 and 22 for three minutes. And then all of a sudden, Dean Whitty and Luca take over. And within a second, it's 46-25. And that, when it, when it hit 20, that's when I was like, oh, they're not going to come back. Not the way this Dallas team shoots threes. They're not going to catch up. 
Did you feel like they were going to catch up when they were down 20? Because I did not. No, no. And I always think everybody's going to make a run. I always think it's going to, because it's usually that's how it works. You know, you're up 18. It's like, oh, look at this. Now we're only up four and they've made their run. That's usually the way the game works. But this was so humiliating. Um, and I also think, you know, your point about them defending Booker, I think they kind of knew Paul was just a non-factor. So it's like, so now we don't have to play him the same way. They extended the pressure out, though. They're right into those guys. And then Luca is is kind of in that Giannis mode of, of you just feel helpless. You feel helpless at times. There's nothing you can do. And Jalen's development's great. Dinwiddie coming in and hitting every shot was perfect for him. Yeah, that that was the game seven that, wild card that honestly the Bucks didn't have in the first game. You get that right. random Dinwiddie off the bench, 25 minutes, 11 for 15, five threes, 30 points, and he's plus 29 when he's in the game. That's, you know, and we'll talk. I want to talk Dallas next segment because I just want to finish this Phoenix thing. Um, I don't think Aiton's on the team next year. Yeah, you've been on this uh, for over a year. and This is I a wrap. I would, ba- I would put your money on their trading Aiton. I don't think they will pay him. I don't think Sarver is going to go deep into luxury tax with a team that just fell on its face with what he's seen from Chris Paul. He just, he has no history of doing it. And I think there's probably trades for him. The question for me is like with, with the kind of the, the way the West is evolving just as a conference with all of these kind of small ball, um, you have to switch on everything. You have to be able to play smaller lineups to survive. And these centers are just getting played off the court over and over again. Like, does eight even make sense in the way the West is going? Because there's, there's a case where you could say he might not. Well, you know, in the moment, I always kind of argue that we're terrible at this stuff because last year when they were up 2 0, we we're talking about how great Aiton was and Bridges and all this stuff, right? Like, we were, we were having these real conversations about how special, how many top 15 players they had and all these kinds of things. And now here we are a year later going, you can't bring them back. Although I do agree with I'm you. I'm saying about, you can't bring them back at 30 million a year or whatever yeah. it is. I don't, I don't think that's a smart financial move if you're also going to pay these other three guys big money. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's um, that Sarver kind of did the opposite of what other guys would do and be like, well, look, I don't have to pay him anymore. And then if he wants to sign an offer sheet somewhere else, he can sign an offer sheet and do the four years and then we can just match it. Um, I don't know. I don't know of the teams that have cap space. You know, there's not that many and they don't seem like they'd be the kind of places that you'd be super fired up to go play. Um, Well, I think there was a lot of smoke with the Pacers and eight before the deadline. I do think that was being discussed. And, you know, I still think that's possibly in play for him. So I'd watch out for them. They, you know, they have Turner. There's moves you could make where you could make that a little more financially palatable. <laughs> Turner's palatable. been in trade rumors for I know. It's, well, it's four like McCall. McCall really? finally got traded. <laughs> the, uh, I was trying to think of other terrible, terrible, terrible game seven losses or end of the series losses. Don't forget about the Clippers against the Nuggets in the bubble. Remember that game seven was yeah. really bad. Those last two Rockets games in 18 after Chris Paul got hurt, those weren't awesome. The <laughs> 95 the, Mag- Turning the knife. The 95 Magic when uh, Anderson missed the free throws and they just slowly fell apart as that series went along. Those games are actually kind of fun, but um, to just get swept by that Rockets team is pretty bad. I was trying to think if there was a Celtics one like that. The only one I could think of was the 09 
when they lost to at home to the Magic by like twenty. Game seven, remember that when that when KG was hurt that year, they just came out and they sucked. Yeah, but that was that team wasn't going to win the title. I think what really differentiates this is this was a team we all thought was the finals team, like pretty convincingly. This was not just the favorite, but I, I think like the prohibitive favorite. I got to know more. I got to know more. Like I want there to be a book done on the forty-eight hours leading up to this game. Like what happened or the last you- week. What happened yeah. since game two? What happened to this team? Right. Like, and I think kid, we brought this up before this evening. You get started. We're doing the totals. And I'm like, they put together a really good staff there. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, okay, they got their two, you know, Phoenix goes home. They're better. And then game six was a little alarming. Cause I was like, if you're a really good team, you know, you probably probably find a way. Like if you're a team that's supposed to win an NBA championship, Maybe you find a way in there, but certainly coming home. And I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I get, I know the shooting variant stuff and whatever, but there, there has to yeah, be it was like way a discussion. That. Yeah, there has to be a discussion. Like, what, what did you guys feel like coming out of the tunnel? Well, like did, couple, did somebody couple, sleep with somebody's wife here? Like, what are we <laughs> talking about? I was actually, I was on a text thread wondering it. By the way, please don't aggregate this, fucking psycho aggregators. This is just a conspiracy theory, just to describe how weird this game was. I was thinking, like, is there Sarver stuff coming out? Is that investigation coming out in a week? And they found out highlights of it and it sent the team in a tailspin. Because this was a this team is in a tailspin. I don't understand it. They just went 64 and 18 and six and two. They were 70 and 20 heading into game three of this series. And then lost four of the next five and lost game game seven, which we'll say they lost by 33. But this game, they were down 40 plus with like a minute left. It is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in the history of the league. At least since I've been a fan. You know. Actually, you want, up- want to take a break and then we'll keep going? No. Well, yeah, I actually would like to not do any of it. but uh... Well, let's take a quick break. Come back. Make every game feel like Game 7 on FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. Throughout the playoffs, all customers can place a no-sweat same-game parlay each week. You'll get up to $20 in free bets if you don't win. FanDuel, so many ways to play best of all. When you do win, you'll get paid faster than a fast break. Let's talk about a Game 1 same-game parlay. So we got a Game 1 on Tuesday night. It is Boston-Miami. Miami's favorite by one and a half because that was such a grueling series for the Celtics. I have not been able to pull off a win on any of these same game parlays in the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to say, take Miami minus 126, go with the over on Tyler Hero threes because he always kills the Celtics. Go with Jimmy Butler to score 20 plus points and do like 10 rebounds for Bam and you're good to go. There's your same game parlay. If you're new to FanDuel, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code BS. Once again, promo code BS. And if you already have an account, you're all set to bet. No sweat. Either way, you'll get up to $20 in free bets if your same game parlay during the playoffs doesn't win. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. You must be 21 plus in select states. Refund issued as non-withdrawable. Free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet $20 per week. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Connecticut, 888-789-777. In Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER. In Michigan, 800-270-7117. 1-877-770-STOP. In Louisiana, 
1-800-270-7117 for Confidential Open Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Tennessee red line is 800-889-9789. And in West Virginia, 1800-GAMBER.net. All right, come back. I interrupted you. Go ahead. I'm on a text thread with uh, Big Cat Chris Long, and they were monitoring me the entire day. Like, hey, how you feeling? How you feeling? And I was like, yeah, we're ready. We're ready to go over here. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> then they started texting while the game. They're like, man, this isn't good at all. This is bad. And I was like, all right, I don't want to text about this with anybody right now. And I was hoping. It was like, Rosillo's notifications have been silenced. <laughs> That's right. There's a Chris Paul sign. Undelivered. Your staffs are now undelivered. <laughs> so uh, long when they're down 40, Chris goes, Booker's got to make that. <laughs> <laughs> just to, <laughs> just to, just to mess uh, with me. Um, but he was like, you know, trying to make sure that Booker Booker was also going to be criticized. No, it just sucks. It sucks because like, look, I've, I've made all these anti-Harden arguments over the years. I, my anti-Westbrook position is, is well established. I felt like I was right. And yet then there appears if you were going to zag with me, you go, how can you have such a blind spot for the guy you love while you don't like these other guys. And at the very least, I was like, because I at least know that he is wired differently and is will play in such a way that he he cares, you know, like watching Harden in an elimination game let everybody run past him. Yeah. Uh, watching Westbrook at times just be oblivious to the other nine people that are out there. Like Chris just doesn't play with them. But if you wanted to, if you wanted to be mean to me, you can say, like, look, your guy has an awful playoff resume and he just did it again in game seven. I'm just going to go through it really fast for the listeners. Okay. 2008, they're up three to two against the Spurs. They lose the last two, including game seven. 2012, they blow game six against Memphis. But then they win in seven, get swept the next round. 2013, up 2-0, lose the next four to Memphis. 2014, beat the Warriors in a game seven, losing OKC to six. And that's the worst one of all these for Chris because he's just has some really bad moments in that series. 2015, win a game seven against the Spurs where Chris makes the game winning shot. Up 3 2 against Houston. That's the famous Josh Smith, Corey Brewer disaster collapse, and they lose in seven. 2016, gets hurt in the Portland series. 2017, loses game seven at home to Utah, a team that does not have a lot of great playoff moments, at least recently. 2018, gets injured during the Golden State Series. They blow a 3-2 lead, losing Game 7. 2019, KD's out, and they lose Game 5 and Game 6 to the Warriors. 2020, when he's on OKC, they lose Game 7 to Houston, to James Harden. He's somehow involved on the other side of James Harden, like one of his greatest playoff moments. 2021 blows a 2 nothing lead in the finals. 2022 blows a 2 nothing lead, loses game seven by 33 at home to Dallas. That's the Chris Paul playoff resume. Removing all the nuance. It's not awesome. I don't have anything else to say. I still think he's one of the best 30 players ever. Thanks. Thanks for that. 
he doesn't have like I still have Isaiah. I still I still value Isaiah in a different way. And I know the stats, Chris Paul stats crush Isaiah, but I just feel like this is why why I loved Isaiah. We talked about this when we did the Book of Basketball pod. It's just thought there were certain games. Like, I just don't think Isaiah. Oh, maybe. I, I don't know. Because by the near the end of the Pistons, he had some, you know, not so great playoff losses. So maybe he's a bad example. But at least in his peak, those four years there, Isaiah was like, you just felt like it was, you'd have to drive over his dead body to beat his team. And t- I don't know what I witnessed tonight. And so let's talk about Booker really fast because I don't want to pile on Chris. And Chris, I think it's going to come out that Chris was hurt in some way. I can't explain the Booker thing. Booker, 23 in game one, they win. 30 in game two, they win. Six for 13, 18 points in game three, they lose. 35 in game four, they lose. 28 in game five, they win. And then last two games, he's six for 17 in game six and three for 14 in game seven. 19 points, 11 points. Not awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, I you know, I at this point with Booker, like I think it was an incredible year, right? I voted him. I remember top five MVP. I had him first team All NBA, right? Yeah, with Luca. Yeah. But I had him fourth for MVP. You know, this this turn this will turn into one of those deals where it's like now next year, I, you know, it's it's all kind of like applying the rules to how you're allowed to talk about these guys, right? Because next year. Like, what's Phoenix going to be? This is what I don't get. You know what I'm saying? Like, what what are they going to... No one's going to care about any of it, right? Paul's going to be older. He's going to get hurt again. Um, And Booker, as good as he is, I don't know. Does, does this mean you reclassify him? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do that to these guys every time they lose a playoff series, but... Um, well, I think, I think some of his contemporaries have just ascended higher than him. I think is at least the one fair thing we can say that he's a little closer to that Mitchell's Mitchell Towns class of yeah 22 to 25 than he is to the Tatum and all those guys class. But I think heading into these playoffs, I felt him and Tatum, you know, you're looking at those two guys as two like the best young superstars in the league. But now after this, I don't, I don't know what to think. Next year, there. Are, on the cap for 129 million next year. That does not include any money for DeAndre Ayton. Devin Booker 33.8, Chris Paul 28.4, Bridges is 21, Crowder's 10.1, Shamit's 9.5. Ouch. Sarich is 9.2. Campaign 6 million. I thought they made a mistake going away from campaign by the way. Cam what? Johnson are you Cam Johnson six? I don't. I just think Shamit as a point guard is insane. I just would never do that. I would uh, play my third string point guard over over Shamit. Do you think they? Do you think the lesson of this series they went to Holiday a little too late? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I should have led with that. <laughs> Why not? I, I just Shamit as a point guard is just nuts. I'm like, not telling you. It's I'm great. not even sure he's good. Uh, like, I'm not I, telling you it's great. I, I, but I'm just saying, like the campaign stuff for me drives me crazy because it's like, all right campaign time and then he just comes in and it's well, they, they, they could have used somebody with a rational confidence in today's game I'll tell you that um, I don't really know what the moves are I guess they could 
I mean, they could package Crowder and Sarich and, you know, add some, maybe take some bigger contract back if they wanted to, but Sarver has no history of doing that. I wonder if they would trade Paul. Do you think he would go for that? What if he was like, yeah, this isn't, you know, this is, I'm not saying he, you know, wants to do anything. I just wonder if they'd be like, hey, do you want to go somewhere else now? All right, let's flip this around. What would be your dream scenario for Chris Paul's next destination? Milwaukee. <laughs> Milwaukee, interesting. Uh, that was where he supposedly was trying to, to get angled to. But now it doesn't matter because they have Drew. So uh, it's, it's not going to happen. I would not want to see him join the Lakers in that shit show. Uh, you don't think there's... You, I can't rule this out. I don't think this will happen, but I'm just given Sarver's history, I cannot rule it out. You don't think there's a chance they would trade Chris, trade Aiton, and do a reboot? Just be like, we missed our window? I well, Look, I think Sarver's boss, uh, like I, th- I think it has to do, be in play with him, right? Yeah, I think he would be willing to do anything. Um, and this is, the, I'm just double checking the contract here for Paul. So he goes to 28.4 and 30.8. Right. And then he's, his, that's that, tough, fourth, that fourth year is non-guaranteed. I yeah, just wonder, that's... look, I'm just, you know, this is, is, is a disappointing a loss as we have seen from any team in a really long time. So it's probably not the best time to start playing team building, but it is, uh, you know, here we are. Yeah, but if you're going to compare this, I think a good comparison to this is the 2007 maps. Even though 2007 Dirk was better than anyone on this Suns team. But same kind of thing where you knew after the loss that it was going to take not just a year, like it was going to be a different looking team before they recovered from it. Like nobody left that 2007 playoffs and said, watch out for those guys next year. It was more like, whoa, what's going to happen to these guys? That's how I feel about this Suns loss. This is this is a what's going to happen to these guys kind of loss. I don't think it's an overreaction unless it comes out that Chris was playing with like a broken hip or some you know some hockey injury or or he had like a, I don't know what what are even the possible injuries. It looked like he was favoring his leg a couple times, but I I just don't know. He's <laughs> fucking old. He's thirty seven. I thought it was a hand thing again. Maybe the, who does way, the way he stayed down in Game Six, but I don't know. I don't know. He didn't do a ton of publicity for the surgery last year when he had surgery, so um, I don't know I mean, that he's in a hurry. He's not usually in a hurry to tell you that he's hurt, but the way the announcers were kicking it around, I don't know. So would you would you say, hey, all right, well, Chris got hurt again. Let's just run it back. I mean, I do think that there were there are other owners that if they had this profile of a team, they would just say, hey, let's just run it back. Like We're probably still going to win a bunch of games, and we have a chance, and who knows? Maybe the ball bounces our way this time. But uh, You can't Sarver, run it back. I think you have to figure out the Crowder, Sarich campaign. That's $25 million. Can you go get one more vet to put with these guys that you can trust as one of your five guys? Can you prove the Crowder spot? Or you go the other way and maybe you start rebooting. I don't know who you could get to force a trade. And I don't think they'd really have unless they wanted to do something with Aiton. But yeah, would they try to run it back without Aiton and add a wing that they think is like a huge upgrade over what they have? I mean, we haven't even talked about Bridges once because Bridges is also somebody who 
you know, he can have four or 20 and you're not surprised. And it's rarely going to happen on his own. And so that's a lot of money into another wing that you're like, can you give us a little bit more scoring? And he'll have nights where he's a complete non-factor. I mean, look, we're we're 30 minutes into this. I I forgot about him. Luca seemed like he uh, was not exactly shivering when Bridges was switched on to. Now I'm bummed out. You've, you're so bummed out. I'm not, now I'm bummed out. So said the Celtics win like three hours ago. Now I feel like it was. Although I should be more bummed out because I lost about 17 future bets on the Suns. What else did you have? Oh my god! I made two big Celtics. Suns and Bucks Suns finals bets like in March because I was convinced those were the only three teams that could make the finals. I had big bets for round two, Celtic Suns, um, Celtic Suns Warriors. I and easily could have hedged heading into game seven, but it's like, look, the one thing we haven't seen yet is the Suns taking a shit at home. Like they might have looked shaky on the road, but at home they've been the most, you know, pretty reliable. Wasn't ready to just go against a team that was 70 and 20 heading into game three. But turns out I should have. I also did Dallas thing. It's like they, they, there's easily a world where they just miss almost all those threes. I guess there's a Luca piece to this that, uh, that we should talk about. We, we haven't talked about Dallas enough. What are we, 30 minutes in? We, we haven't talked talk about, about them. We haven't talked about them at all. Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll take a break. We'll talk about Dallas. All right, apologies to the Mavs fans for not talking about Dallas yet. It's just like that's how insane that Phoenix loss was. I really feel like that was a borderline historic, not even borderline. I felt like that was a historic loss. Dallas, the Luka thing. People are comparing him to um the 07 LeBron, which was always the catch with, you know, if you if you were thinking Dallas maybe had a chance to win the finals and the history of the truly great guys in the first couple of years of their career. You think Lucas, this is, I think, year four for him. Usually by year four, the truly great guys have at least a couple big playoff moments. He hadn't had it yet. He was absolutely incredible in this game. It was the kind of thing where you had to come out and be awesome right away on the road. And he did. He seemed almost arrogant in a good way. Nobody in the Suns could guard him. He was laughing. He was looking. He it was actually like a like performance art. Like the difference between this and like the LeBron Pistons game is like LeBron was like he was like a young pup in that game. It was happening. It was like wow, I can't believe this young guy is doing this to the Pistons, and it was awesome. But he was hitting a lot of jumpers and threes. But it was never, it never felt like, oh my god, this guy is psychologically destroying everybody in this building. Luca was like. It was like watching fucking Gladiator. It was, it was really impressive. I mean, he's had a lot of games like this, but this moment in a game seven, I, I was impressed. Yeah, it's kind of felt like whenever we're talking about guys like this, right? They're like, hey, could Luca be the best player in the NBA? When you were saying that, I think in his second year, I was like, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? But yeah. now it's it's not an absurd question to ask about him. Um, and then you put together those two playoff runs where they lose to the Clippers. And you look back at those numbers, like the first year, you're like, did you see what this guy did, right, in his second year? And then he's even better. Like those those showdowns with Kawhi a couple years ago, like that stuff was just nuts, right? So yeah. then you're kind of like, well, if he's really one of those dudes, 
it can it'd be a little unfair. It could be circumstantial. You know, it's there's not like an absolute for a lot of, all this stuff. You're like, well, if he's really that guy, then how come he's not going further? And this is, it kind of feels right though. Like if he's in the league four years in, he's a top five guy without question. It kind of feels right that he has like, it's not a ring, but that's what that LeBron Cavs series was like for me. It was like a half a ring because that yeah. team wasn't that good. And maybe this team is just better and I haven't figured it out. Um, they deserve more credit, I guess I could say it that way. But this isn't like, I don't feel like this is some awesome team and they do this to Phoenix and now they have like a legitimate champ- a chance at, at like winning the whole thing. Like, can you go there? Yeah. You're there. I just think it's wide open with these four teams. I think you can make a case for all four of them. We talked about how Miami has home court in the East Finals and has history of success against the Celtics. I haven't loved what I've seen from Golden State. I think they're a team between two eras in some degree. And then this Dallas team, I mean, two, Dinwiddie had 30 points tonight. Anybody in the league could add Dinwiddie in February. Bertans was one of like the 12 hardest contracts to trade. You know, Bullock was sitting there in free agency for anybody. Josh Green didn't even play. That was like one of their only like higher first round picks they've had the last couple of years. Kleber, the question with him is, can he play 30 minutes in a game without getting hurt? He managed to get through this whole series playing big minutes. Going down the line, it's like, it's pretty flimsy. But the, the, the Luca piece, I mean, Luca in this series, 32.6 points a game. 9.9 rebounds, 7 assists. 48.3 field goal percentage. What do you shoot from three? 32.8. That's a, I know. When we the, talk about it, how is he going to get better? It's when the threes go from 33% to 40 is going to be pretty dangerous for everybody. It feels like the big ones all go in. I'll tell you that. And you know what's like crazy? He didn't really do that much tonight. Like he didn't have to do that much damage. The first, co- the first five minutes was what mattered with it. Right. He gets eight points. Tone. Eight points the first two minutes. And you're, you're on your right. heels. The crowd's yeah. nervous. The whole thing. And he's sitting there just letting you know it, letting you have it, laughing at you the whole time. Well, what did they do after game two? They talked shit to him. What was the thing with Paul and Booker where was that after the game? Like they uh, somehow, he was, it was after was game five. Somehow. I thought it was after game five when he started saying everybody acts tough when you're up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. And then they didn't lose again. So he backed it up on top of everything else. Like he's he's one of those guys that you know how many players wish they were like that? Like, I can... Or try can to be talk, like that. I can talk all the shit, but I can completely back it up to the level that he backs it up. There's not a lot of guys like that, man. I'm going to compliment him yet again. He deserves I was it. so impressed by his defense in this game today. Because the Mavs were just... They were... I would describe them as swarming. It's really hard to swarm if one of your five guys is either out of shape or going through the motions or doing the Olay defense. The question with him was always, can you survive with him defensively? The first two games, the Suns hunted him, the whole thing. By this game, he was flying around. He was very active. And you couldn't hunt him because he was really giving a shit on both ends. It was a two-way performance, which is one of the things I loved about it. 35 and 10, but I thought his D was good. I don't know what the advanced stats were for when he got matched up. I just thought, I thought there was a spirit to him on both ends that he doesn't always have. You know, the stakes were absolutely higher. 
But I, I think the other thing that's kind of like, because at times when I don't like it, it would remind me a little of Harden-ish. You know what I mean? That ISO stuff. Yeah. And, you know, he's, everything. He's better than Harden ever was. But he, there's a flow to it with him that I think is a little different. Like, I think it, Harden, at the peak of it, it felt like you were watching somebody play basketball. Like, you were on the team with the guy, and you were just sitting there watching it. And there are times with Luca where I'm like, is it, is it like that? But I don't know, man. Like, the way they get that ball pinging around, and the system around him allows you to not really have to have, like, premier talent. I mean, Brunson's really good. I get a little sick of watching him fall down for fucking two hours. Um, I still can't believe he got them to challenge something where he convinced himself he was hit in the face in an earlier game in the series when he yeah. wasn't. He was so convinced of it that he was like, yep, we got to challenge this one. Like, you just faked yourself out. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, when you start thinking about how many guys, like, how many guys would you want? Who's the second player that you're picking ahead of any of the Warriors? Are you picking Brunson ahead of Clay? Yeah. This version of Clay? Yes. Wow. Not even close. Wiggins. Want to do a draft? Love drafts. All right. I'll give, I'll take first pick. I'll go Luca. You go Curry. Okay. So Luca and Curry up the board. So now I'm up again. Kaminga. I'm taking Draymond. Even though I'm not positive he wants to shoot under any circumstances at this point <laughs> of his career, but I think he does so many other good things. I think he has to be taken there. I think I'm taking Brunson. I think you have to. This is tough. I'm going to take pool. Um, I'll take clay. Wow. Okay. Come on. I'm going to, I would have taken Finney Smith there. So I'm taking him here. I thought about it, but I mean, he also had five, four, and two in games. This series. Yes, it does. But well, sometimes he just doesn't shoot. Right. But that's not going to happen with Clay. But Clay uh, will have go six for 20, which is worse. It's Defensively, he's not even close anymore. Wiggins. You're taking Wiggins here? Uh, it's kind of crazy. The guy who started for the West in the All-Star is still available, and I'm just not sure <laughs> I want to do it. The cat. He's tapping on your the left. The cat. <laughs> Give him the cat. Uh, oh, I'll say Wiggins. Okay. Even though he wasn't very good today, I'm going to take Kleber. Or very impactful today. I just think when he's out there, they're really hard to play. Bullock? Mm. Are we going to keep going? Nah, it's, it's kind of tails off here. Isn't there one more warrior? Looney? He played well game six. Uh, yeah, it tails off. But the thing is, we probably won't see Looney in this series. I don't think so. So in one respect, the Warriors are going to be like, cool, small ball. 
we invented this. Then Miami would be like, no, no, we actually invented it in 2012. You can go back and look at the tapes. And the 2008 Celtics like, no, we actually invented it. Go back, game four, spread them out. KG and four guards. Um, but if they want to go small ball, I think that plays both in Draymond's hands, but what won't play in his hands is this Dallas coaching staff has been fucking awesome all year. They were awesome in this series. And guess who they're going to leave completely alone? Draymond Green. Completely alone. They're going to make him do something. I don't know, who, who guards Luka on the Warriors? I don't know if Wiggins is big enough. No one is big enough. Porter? Bridges, Bridges isn't big enough. You know, we saw what happened. And Bridges is a hell of a defensive player, too. I mean, Luka's Celt- just in that. Celtics have some guys that could guard him. Yeah, they do. Porter? Can we see a little Kaminga? Kaminga was not good against Memphis. He wasn't. He's he's a year away. He's in his Kobe Utah series nineteen ninety seven stage of let's let's wait a year on this. Let's It'd be put great him back though. in the fridge. It'd be great if they were like, hey, can you go out there and chase Luke around for you know fifteen minutes and spell us and not make mistakes? But um, can know, I just I, tell you, Bullock was plus forty four today. Five points. Plus minus continues to be the dumbest and they stat still, ever. They, they still found a way to almost get into a fight at the end. How great well, was that? Holiday, like, pit-pocketed Boban with, like, seven seconds left. Boban thought he was in John Wick 4. He was going to do some martial arts on him. Yeah. I love like, that. Hey, we're, we're conceding this, and Holiday's like, I need to get my, my PER up. I have two more Dallas things. One was... The Porzingis trade inadvertently and surprisingly becoming one of the most impactful midseason trades we've had. We always have these trade deadlines. We do the pods, do the preview pods, then the actual trade deadlines unfolding pods and trying to, oh my God, this happened and this happened and this happened. And here's a trade that might have actually swung the title and none of us would have suspected it at the time. It no just was, way. It was more like, wow. They're just quitting on Porzingis. This is just a, a quick job. They're just choosing to go sideways with another guard and Bertans is a corpse. And those guys come in and, you know, say what you want about Bertans, but he, you know, at least he was giving them 14, 15 minutes a game in this series. And then Dinwiddie, who was in a coma for three weeks, but then was good the last couple of games. But just in general, I, would, I mean, is there a world... If I had said to you the trade deadline, I think that that trade just swung the title. You would have been like, what? No, never. I, I mean, I didn't say it at the time. At, at the time, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Dinwiddie, who nobody seemed to like playing with in Washington. Um, right. But he's in a perfect situation here because it's like, no, we can just, you know, go out there and, and do your thing and play with the backup group. And you're not really getting in anyone else's way. Like that used to be the thing. The worst version of Dinwiddie was, you come in, you never pass, and you just you do your, you're on your own program. And I don't yeah. know if it's when the 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 reins of a team is taken away from you, if that changed something with him, because maybe that was the hardest thing. Or for him maybe this is the perfect role for him. Kind right, heat heat checky third guard off the bench guy. So the other part of this that I guess I just didn't really figure out because Przingis is still talented. Um, I think that's allowed. You can, you know, yeah. it's okay to say that. He's 26. Um, 
I'd heard Luca wasn't exactly crying at the news that he was being traded. And Fair. I think when you watch Dallas with Przingis, what, what I didn't realize was that just by him not being there was going to be awesome for Dallas because he still was somebody of a contract and a stature and production that you actually did have to keep playing, right? So it always felt like this kind of appeasing two worlds here where it's like, Luke, it's Luca's team. Everybody knows he's the better player, but we still have to pretend we're doing like normal Przingis things here. And now you don't have to do any of those things because he's not there. And I guess I didn't understand the impact. I didn't, I didn't know how to like value that until we saw it. And now that it's, they're not pretending he's part of the team anymore, which is what I thought one of their, their big problems was. Yeah, we've seen that over the years. Like I, for some reason, it made me think of Bynum on his last Laker year where the most fun was when it was Gasol and Odom and Kobe and just they, they just the way they moved and the speed. But then Bynum, it was like, let's bring this guy in. Bynum, low post player. And, but it would just kind of throw them off that last year. And then they ended up doing the trade. But sometimes teams have these guys that just, even though they're good players, they're fine. They don't seem to fit in with the whole team. And Porzingis, I think part of it was because he was the star before Luca got there. Um, but he just never really fit in with what I think Kid wanted to do. Kid, Jesus. Well, I mean, we could have Kid and Adoka as the coaches this year, right? Kid could have been hired by anybody the last couple of years. And Adoka, rookie coach, that would be nuts. I, I just have to mention this again. We we know all these teams passed on Luca, but well, Phoenix passed on him. Yeah, two. I mean three. Sacramento. Oh, right, because of the trade. In Atlanta. Right. Remember? No, I get it. I, I know your point. No, I'm no, just no, thinking, no. Right. Remember you had that thing where you're like, even though the, the waves are against me right now, deep down in my bones, I still think this one thing, but it's not as cool to say right now. Yeah. Last year when Trey was getting hot, I was like, oh, Luca for Trey. Hmm. Still, still sure that was the worst trade? No, I know. No, that was that. This is this is absolutely. You're and so I was 95. like, all right, I'll take I'll take the hits, but feeling really good about my opinions on that trade. Thanks for asking, though. <laughs> that was a dumb one. It was always a dumb one when it was happening. And you're right. In that moment, Trey gets through Philly, and then and it's like, like, how many round twos has Luca been in? It's like, all right, I still feel pretty good about my feelings. On yeah, because then you're like. Because the, the answer isn't the thing that's being asked, though. That's the other part about those things. Like, that's an exercise in some of these things that we'll have in, in the take world where it's like, hey, we sure that trade is that? Yeah, it was a bad trade. Luke is better. Luke is not just better. He's one of the most important players of the century. I mean, honestly, how old is he? 20, is he 23? He's 23. He's 23. Damn. He's 23 and, and his. The best, the best thing about him was that because of what he did in the international play and having to play with men and being like, yes, there were things to be expected. That's what I fell in love when right. he was playing against fucking 30 year olds and won the MVP in the week. Right. So this and isn't. The, people were telling us that didn't matter for some reason. So it didn't matter. He's the MVP and his team won the title and he was 17 years old playing against fucking grown men with kids yeah. and in and, and fully developed bodies. This didn't matter. Second tier league, okay. I watched like I don't need to relitigate that one. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this: 
I think this is a Kyle turn the camera on question. What's the league's dream finals out of the four teams left? Is it Boston Golden State? I feel like they can't lose with any of the any of the matchups. Dallas gets in, they can just they can take the Luca thing and they can fucking shoot it around like a t-shirt gun for two weeks and be like, this is our new star right here. We gave Giannis last year. Here's Luca. And if Boston makes it like Luca, Tatum, two new stars. We don't need LeBron anymore. LeBron, Durant, that whole generation. Bye. Here's our new guys. I guess Miami. I think really there's any. So What's the Miami, Miami storyline though? Well, Miami, Dallas would be fun because then we would get a whole, we'd get to have our 2006 finals redux, 2011. We get the, there's an actual weird history between those two teams. So that I'm in weird. on that. Yeah. The Miami Golden State, I guess. I don't know. Heat culture against Warriors culture. I could talk about Steph being in the finals is a win. Luca being in the finals is a win. So already they've won either way. Phoenix coming back to the finals was probably the least exciting out of the, any West scenario. And then Celtics, I don't know. I guess the Miami, just because they're, you know, aesthetically not awesome sometimes. I can't say like I'll be telling my grandkids about the Miami Philly series. <laughs> hey, you guys want to pop on game four of Miami Philly? It's the one where Harding gets hot near the end. Does anyone pop those games on? Probably not. Not even me. But who, what do you, what's, what's the dream finals? You had to guess. I think it's Golden State, Boston. They've had great games for six years, seven years, dating back to like early Brad Stevens. Yeah, I, for whatever reason, and I used to kind of think it was stupid, you know, when it was like, well, we we know how to play them. Remember that was part of the Durant pitch, like we yeah. we've we've discovered this thing, and I'm like, all right, I don't know if I buy into that, but they do seem to. There seems to be something there. Um, whenever they played, you'd have the smart thing with well, Steph. That, they have more size on the wings. They can switch on everything. They're really good, I think, on defending three-point shooting if, that, if that's the only thing they have to worry about. They're really good at forcing you to do the one thing you don't want to do, which in Golden State's case is having Draymond by himself by six feet at the top of the key trying to decide what to do. Um. Who do you think is favorite to win the NBA title right now? Boston. It's Golden State on FanDuel. Plus 120 Golden State. Celtics are 2 to 1. Miami is plus 420 and Dallas is plus 650. Dallas was 33 to 1 in mid-April. I got to tell you I'm a little I'm a little off of Golden State. Me too. Like I'm with I, you. I'm not saying they can't win it, but I'm totally open to the idea of Dallas, like just wreaking havoc, Luca going crazy and them finding a way. Like, I don't think this is, this is a good Golden State team, but it's not even close to what those other teams were. I don't think it is. Well, this is one of my favorite gambling scenarios where we just spent the first 30 minutes of this podcast talking about Phoenix, what the fuck just happened, one of the worst losses in playoff history, all that stuff. But it's like, what if Dallas is just really good? What if they're just really good? I know. Yeah. And what if we go to the next round and then they do this to Golden State and we're like, oh, Dallas is really good. I'm kind of there. I think Dallas might be really good. I don't trust the Kleber piece of it. That's the, 
X factor to me. I just don't trust him. He only played 21 minutes today. They're able to not play him in the fourth quarter, but anytime they've had to just put miles on him, it's, it gets a little, uh, it's a little dicey, but yeah, if you were asking me who am I picking in this series, Warriors are minus 250. Dallas is plus 200. I think it should be way closer to even personally. I would, if I, if my life depended on it, I think I'd pick Dallas. Really? Yeah. I don't like this Golden State team as a favorite. I'm not surprised. That, that seems, that's, that feels a little aggressive. And I don't know, maybe it's because like, what is it? Game five of Memphis down 50. You know, does that creep in your head a little bit? Or is that the new normal now? Because I kind of knew, I thought exactly what was going to happen in that series. It's like, all right, game five is embarrassing. Then they're going to go home. But yeah. that wasn't, you know, it wasn't like they stomped Memphis without jobs. Close to five minutes left. Exactly. I mean, it went right down to the wire and then they they ran away from them. But um, I I think I'm more concerned with Golden State with Luka. You know what I'm saying? Like, by the way, it's it's hard for everybody here. But Luka, like, you don't need the top-level talent all the time around because everybody else's job is easier because of this guy. Yeah. So I don't think I'm going to pick Dallas, but the fact that I'm here, where I was about Dallas after the two games in the Phoenix series to where I am now would seem like an impossibility for me to go from, like, remember they made the late run in the beginning of the series and like yeah. Reggie Miller was talking about how like that was a positive and I was just like, somebody's going to wake up and think that this game was close and they're not close. And after game three, what they did when they came out and how they defended Paul and how intense they were. And I was like, whoa, all right. Well, you guys are just down 2-0. Um, I can't believe that in two weeks I've gone from how I felt about this team then to actually contemplating picking them against Golden State, but I probably won't. Last Sunday, I did the compare and contrast with the 18 Rockets to the 22 Mavs and how they were kind of more similar than I was prepared for when I was thinking about them. And I think they are. I think the difference is I just trust Luca way more in a series like that than I did James Harden. Well, and ultimately, I just feel like Luca, when it comes down to it, he's going to come through. I just feel like he will. And I never 100% felt that way about Harden, even when he was at his peak of peaks. Always felt like it was just a lot of him going between his legs as four guys stood there and re- repeat, repeat, repeat. And it felt stoppable as, as the stakes got higher. In this, in this game, the stakes were as high as, as they could be. And Luca's like, all right, I'm going to shoot three here. Now I'm going to post up this guy, foul line jumper. I'm just going to go by everybody and get a layup. Like he was, he was toying with them. Phoenix was a top five defensive team. And he, whether Chris was hurt or not, it doesn't make sense that Luca would just be able to eviscerate them like that. But I don't so, know yeah. how you I don't know how you're going to stop him. And you're right. Like I, the trust factor of the big moment, I don't, like they'll never look at Luca and go, oh, I don't know if this guy's built for this. Like he's absolutely built for this. This is he was built to do one thing, and that's scare the shit out of everybody else. And I mean, this is this to me is like worth. It's something like there's there was this was a thing on his resume today, to go into Phoenix to do this to that team. Like I know you know who knows if they don't get to the NBA Finals if they don't win a ring or whatever. But like I look at him differently now because of this because of what he did today. You and me both. Celtics Mavs plus three seventy one on FanDuel. Are you betting it? 
No. <laughs> Only because I'm really worried about the Celts in game one. I actually think there would be a better price if they lose game one. But the game one, I, I think that's a really hard spot for them. I don't think people fully understand how fucking physical that Milwaukee-Boston series was. And the only reason I have an even a somewhat advanced opinion is just having gone to two of the games and just being like, Jesus Christ. This is so... Like, Al Horford... It, like, do people understand what it's like to take a charge from Giannis? Oh, my God. Do people fully oh. understand on your TV versus, like, what it's like to be bowled over by that guy? And, like, smart got... How many how many times did he just get knocked over by Giannis in that series? Like twelve? Grant Williams, like twenty? Horford, fifteen? And it, it's like you're playing football, only you don't have pads and a helmet. So I don't I just worry about them on Tuesday. Not I wouldn't say I'm optimistic. I really think Miami's lack of offense is gonna is gonna be a problem for them. That'd be the hope, right? Yeah. Um, all right, before we go, a little James Harden. Oh, okay. They'll cheer me up. Yeah, I figured it would. 0 for 2 in the second half. Um, yet another terrible playoff moment for him. And now Philly is in an absolute pickle because Daryl's one crush in his life, the crush that he just couldn't resist. And now he's in real trouble in all kinds of ways. You have the floor. I need to know how everybody feels about these Harden numbers. Um, is everybody on the same page? Because like, you know, I've talked about this a little bit before where I think teams go, hey, this contract will absolutely suck, but we're paying for the window of two, maybe three years now, all right? Um, and they do it. They do it knowingly. Knowingly that, that, that the back-end years are going to be terrible. I also think everybody's like, ah, whatever, I'll just trade him. And be like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, the cap goes up. Who cares? Whatever. All right? Um, I have to imagine that Daryl has some sort of reassurance from Harden or Harden has some reassurances from the Sixers that everything was going to work out here on the contract thing. But I can't fathom what this dude is going to look like in another couple of years because it's bad and it got bad quick. And, you know, everything I've ever heard about him is that he doesn't really get it. He doesn't he doesn't want to take care of himself. He doesn't he doesn't. You know, he doesn't think he needs to do these things. And it's his, he feels like he's falling off a cliff physically here. And um, that's not something I'd want to sign up for in a five year max. There's been guys like this over the years that were really good. And then all of a sudden, they just hit a different point of their career physically, endurance wise, and you could see it. You know, Iverson's the most famous example, but I think Rashid Wallace was like that. Rashid Wallace, when he was on the Pistons, you know, was just this unbelievable, and that was later peak Rashid. It's an unbelievable specimen, right? All the stuff he could do. There was just nobody like with his size and all that stuff. Then all of a sudden, it was, it was kind of done. You know, by 2009, I was like, oh, he's, this is a wrap? Really? This, that was fast. Big Dog Robinson was like that. That guy was really good. And then all of a sudden... You know, he's bouncing around. He's on the Spurs bench. It's like, what happened to that guy? It was like almost overnight. There's different reasons for it, right? Something can happen injury-wise. People can not take care of themselves. They can go out too much, whatever the reason is. But you kind of know it when you see it. Jermaine O'Neal, when he was in that Miami getting traded to Toronto's and people were acting like he was still the guy who averaged 24 a game. And it's like, he's not anymore. He's not that guy. I watch basketball. I have league pass. That, guy, that guy's gone. 
And the Harden, he just seems gone. That whatever that version we think is gone, and you could say, is there a world where we see him running the steps and he's in amazing shape? I just don't think he gives a shit like that. I don't, I don't see him being like, watch this. I'm going to show everybody. I don't think it's in him. No, I, I don't cares. think it is. I don't think it is either. Because I think he's felt like, well, look how good I've been this entire yeah, time. Yeah, I think he thinks he's had a great career. Hey, right. man, won a bunch of playoff series. I won an MVP. I'm one of the greatest scorers in the history of the league. I'm not going to apologize. I had a great career. Fuck off. Yeah, that's always been my Rashid theory. Because I thought Rashid should have been an even better player. Like he should have been. He but if could have been as good as KG talent-wise. Yeah, and I think KG she was, was wired completely differently than he was, and that's why they had different careers. Right. I think Sheed was like, I got a ring, I got a hundred million. Like, what why, you know, it's my Rashid Wallace theory. Like, you're telling that guy he did it wrong. And he would be like, What why? So I think Harden probably falls into that same and look, Shaq, we had Shaq's the ultimate example of that. Shaq's like the thirteenth best player ever, and he won three straight titles and has the best finals numbers three straight years of anyone ever. And it's hard to be like, I ah, should have been a little better. Shaq's like, no, nah, I was really good, actually. I made $400 million. I'm one of the most popular endorsement athletes now. I'm a great fucking guy. Everyone loves me. I'm on TV. I think I did it right, actually. Thanks for your advice, though. Right. But And then guys like us are like, hey, you could have been like 10% better. You just been a little bit more shape. So I think Harden is like that. Yeah. But the problem is, is now you go like you, you moved a major resource and Simmons for Harden. For the wrong person. Yeah. Well, and, and Curry, who Embiid loved playing with. Yeah, and look, I, I'll admit, I think because the way maybe we were talking about the Simmons trade partners with our group or whoever, I felt like, well, getting Harden, despite people telling me that the price was going down all the time on Simmons, um, you know, I was like, hey, that's actually great. They pulled this thing off. But of course, they had to, you know, they had to sweeten the pot a little bit more because <laughs> Brooklyn's going, yeah, or the guy we're trading you actually plays. He plays bad on purpose now, but he plays and your guy doesn't play. And then you get the whole Simmons thing. So I felt like in a way, Daryl pulled something off here. Maybe I'm wrong. But then to see it play out this way. And then I kind of, I loved Embiid being like, yeah, maybe James could be a little bit more aggressive. And then people were like on his case. And I go, I don't, I don't care. Like if you're a team, and your number one guy in Embiid is going to call out what's painfully obvious. You could have done an endless loop of game six of stuff with Harden where you were like, what are you doing? Why do you not care more? How can you actually be like this? And um, I love yeah, like, Embiid calling him out for it. There's no way Harden could have survived in that Milwaukee Celtics series without physical and was that hard everyone was trying. You know how much he would have stood out like a sore thumb? Everyone's flying around. Bodies are all over the place and they're there's James like jogging around. I think it, it bums me out as somebody who cares about basketball. Cause I really do think he was great. And, you know, some, some guys are just missing that small little thing, but you know, he quit on two teams that didn't sit right with either of us the whole time. I just, that's not why I follow sports to watch shit like that happen. And then you think like, well, at least when he goes to Philly, now he's going to be happy. Maybe Maybe he'll dig deep and find something that, you know, is sitting there. And obviously, nothing's sitting there. And I, I can't fathom. Maybe we're older now. We follow basketball for so long that we kind of, you know, that you see the same mistakes being made over and over again. And you, you, 
have this reservoir of shit detector stuff there. We're like, yeah, oh, that's a bad sign. I remember that when this happened in that year. So with Harden, I just, I know it's a mistake to give that guy $250 million. I can't imagine anyone <laughs> will do that. I, I just, there's no way that works out. Zero percent chance. What do you think You're will happen for past performance? Paying for past performance is the worst thing you can do in sports. Yeah. And it, it happens in baseball all the time. Well, that it used was to awesome. happen. It doesn't happen as much anymore. No, but remember, like, that's what baseball was. Yeah. Like, cool. We're Now we're going to give you this huge contract right after you turn 30. Awesome. Yeah. And then basically every team was like, wait, we're just doing this wrong all the time? Yeah, it's that, like, yeah you you're are. right. That's that's hard to think. It's like a 1997 <laughs> baseball contract. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. You'd be like, yeah, he had like 24 home runs in right field yeah. three years ago, I think. Uh, but I don't, I I don't know, man. I mean, do you think Daryl would do something crazy here? I can't imagine. Unless they were afraid they were going to get sued and there was all kinds of tampering stuff. And they felt like we actually have to give them the deal because there's like a paper trail, like almost like a Joe Smith, Minnesota type of situation. There's not a thing like that. I can't imagine why they would do anything more than one year with him. Who's signing him? What team out there watched Harden and it was like, ah, maybe we can get James Harden. Maybe a team that has, you know, nothing to show for itself for however many years. But there's only like four or five teams with cap space. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense with any of them, I wouldn't think. Well, I'll tell you, like, as a Celtics fan, for them to hit with, to get those picks with Simmons and Embiid, not to mention all the other picks they had for just how it played out. If you look at the asset war chest they had, like 2016, 17 range to what they have now, it's pretty crazy. And this is after hitting the maxi trade uh, pick. You know, that one is just have, you know, a little skill drafting him, but also luck that all these, he was the seventh point guard in that draft, whatever it was. And, that turned out to be like the third pick, third best pick they made of all the process picks. But pretty rough. And then what happens? Here's the other thing if you're Philly, and you have to really worry about this. What happens if Embiid says, get me the fuck out of here? I don't play with that guy. <laughs> and the Philly fans would say, well, no, he's under contract. It's like, cool. Well, we've seen that play before. Let me point you to five other guys who had long-term <laughs> contracts who were like, get me the fuck out of here. And then guess what? So, you know, there's a team like the Knicks where he has his old agents running the Knicks. I would be worried about that if I was Philly. Yeah, because really? you're signing up for, you're like, you just saw it play out. You saw Embiid's frustration. And Embiid, you know, look, I thought some of the MVP stuff the day of when he came back didn't make any sense. They're like, oh, he's devastated and win MVP. It's like, dude, he's got a broken thumb, a broken orbital bone, a concussion. He didn't. He couldn't run for six days. Throw you right back into an NBA game, playoff game, and we have this fiber mask for you. If you get hit in the face, it won't be that bad. It's not going to feel good. Yeah, but it's not going to be that bad. Either. You'll cry in the court, but it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, you're going to cry on the court. It's you're going to cry so from excruciating pain, and it might actually make your eyesight worse. But try this out. Put it on. <laughs> so, I. Uh, I don't, you know, Embiid, although a lot of the foreign guys don't ever seem to to force their way out. I don't know if that's just something that happened. Does it mean it's a thing or is it just something that's happening? Um, so far, it's been, you know, 
the American mm. guys. Yeah, even Hakeem tried to get traded that one time for a split second and then kind of gave up on it when he was in the Rockets, remember? It seemed like they were going to trade Never actually God, asked you went for the way trade request. You, yeah, you went way back. Well, uh, I've, I've told you this before. I'll never forget. There was like a split second where it was like... The Celtics with Hakeem? It, I was driving around all-time bitter that I couldn't break into media listening to the WEI guys <laughs> talk about... Um, I was in grad school wondering where, how I was going to get a job and listening to these guys talk about whether you would trade Reggie Lewis for Hakeem Olajuwon. And I was like ready to like just start steering my car into traffic. Did you call and, in? I, I was just like, oh my God, how do these people have jobs? And it's going to be hard for me to find one where these people are having a, a real conversation about whether the Celtics should give up Reggie Lewis for Hakeem Olajuwon. And I loved Reggie Lewis, but what are we doing? This is Hakeem Olajuwon. That's a tough one. Was that a weekend shift, maybe? Yeah, man. I, no, it definitely wasn't. It wasn't. I think it was wasn't. a drive time afternoon shift. That's what it was. But, um, but yeah. Anyway, all right. So we see that the same way. Um, all right. Before we go, it is now eight twenty eight Pacific time. We're gonna set up Saruti because the uh, Suns game ended over an hour ago, and now there's some stuff popping up. So let's go live to the sidelines where Steve Saruti is there. Steve, how are you? I'm great. Do you want the Chris Paul news first or the DeAndre Ayton news first? Let's get the Chris Paul news first. All right. Chris Paul said that he is not retiring. We'll be back next year. And then also, this is coming out, uh, I think this is from Mark Spears, learned that uh, Chris Paul left quad injury, uh, but he declined to comment about it. Left quad injury. Okay. Well, that explains it. I mean, that's only the leg he pushes off of, right? For most of his... Makes sense. Okay. Uh, Pat Beverly also getting involved too, by the way, talking some smack. Doesn't want to hear about the injury situation. Oh, really? You mean Pat Beverly, who shoved Chris Paul and got <laughs> traded immediately after he smoked the why, Clippers last year? Why do we have to hear from Pat Beverly when he's not in the playoffs? All right, what else? Do you, what's the DeAndre Ayton thing? This is this might be juicier. So uh, this coming out after the game, he did not talk to the media, and then Coach Monty Williams was asked after the game why he only played 17 minutes and zero in the fourth quarter, and Monty, in a very angry, stern tone, said, "Quote: It's internal." And then Devin Booker, after the game, also asked about his contract situation, said, I care about him as a brother. I just want to make sure uh, his mental situation is right. Whatever happens, happens. Mm. Doesn't sound great. So it turns out when uh, when you, you don't sign the guy to the contract extension, you let it play out, and then there's a reason for that person to possibly crater in a big game, and that contract stuff pops back up. That's maybe why you take care of it before the season. Yeah, that would be another side of the argument to it. Not having the worst game seven ever. I didn't realize he only played 17 minutes. I don't really remember that many of the 17 minutes. I mean, everybody was so bad in that game. It was hard to even uh, even pinpoint one. But on top of it, that was the guy they drafted over Luca, which is pretty brutal as well. Yeah, I think there's there was a little of that with Luca tonight too looking around, going, you guys took this guy number one. Luca, it would be funny if after the press conference, he's like, you know, I'd love to do this to Sacramento, but I don't know if I'm ever going to see them in the playoffs. So I'm gonna, it's going to have to be a game in December. <laughs> and we know Atlanta's not getting into the finals. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, wow. Phoenix dissension. And the Sarver story hasn't even come out yet. The final uh, investigation. That What's going thing. on with that thing? 
it's t- it took the whole season. Who knows? Who knows? Even I don't know anything about that one. Usually I hear a little tired. That thing's been buttoned up. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if there will be an oral history written about the lead up to this this game seven. Like somebody's Maybe pet died. Narrative pod. Narrative pod. Why do you do it? Is it too early to do it? Narrative pod is just Tuesday on the Ryan Rosillo podcast. <laughs> oral history. <laughs> I'm going to interview Big Cat, Chris Long, and DeAndre Ayton's brother, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> That would be amazing to just be able to pull it off, title it two days after they have the worst game. Say it wouldn't even be too full two days. It wouldn't even be forty eight hours. Just be like, all right, here's here's what I'm hearing. Uh, it wouldn't be very good. Yeah, I mean the funny thing is they're not funny, but Dallas could lose to Golden State next round. But Phoenix, no matter what happens, this they're on the short list as we discussed at the top. People will always mention the 2022 Suns when they talk about playoff teams that shit the bed at the worst possible time, they will be mentioned. I don't know if they'll be first, second, third, fourth, fifth, but they will be one of the first teams mentioned the same way. The 07 Mavs who then were able to shake it off a little bit because they won the finals in 2011. So it felt like that, I don't know, kind of softened it, but this one, I don't, I don't, I just don't see, I think they missed their window. That was it. We're going to look at this. It was like last year, this year, and that was it. That was their window. I mean, to think, to say, with with zero exaggeration, you can just say, we witnessed today one of the worst losses in NBA history. Yeah. Yes. There you go. All right, Ryan Rosselli, you can hear him. Your podcast usually goes up Tuesday morning, lunchtime, East Coast time range. And uh, we'll be back here next Sunday. Probably a one part. There's only one game. But uh, I will see you next Sunday. Sorry about Chris Paul. Thank you for your concern. Podcast produced as always by Kyle Creighton. Steve Cerruti was our reporter on the ground. Dylan Berkey as well. I will see you on this feed on Tuesday. Don't forget, huge rewatchables coming on Monday night. Not telling you the movie, but it's a very famous one. Uh, See you then. So